Hello and welcome to week three, week trois of the French Football League podcast. My name is Chris and I am your host as usual. And yes, week three already doesn't time fly. The, uh, the nights are getting darker and I'm not very happy about it. But anyway, enough said about me. Let me introduce you to both Phil and Jez, who are with me once again this week. Good evening, all. Hello. Hello. You there. Uh, you may have noticed, eager listener, that we are a day late today. That's because there was a bank holiday in the UK yesterday. And uh, Jez and I basically wanted to put our feet up. That's our excuse. and We're sticking to it. Um, but we have got plenty to talk about and uh, also a couple of questions. So thank you to those dear souls who replied to the tweet we popped out earlier on today. We'll come on to those towards the end of the podcast. Righty-ho, let's jump in then, shall we? So I wanted to talk PSG Lance first of all, because that was... Probably the big game of the weekend. Um, maybe we'll touch on a game that certainly did not become a big game of the weekend later. But PSG Lance, uh, I'll start with you, Phil, on this one. Would you would you suggest that we'll come on to Lons in a second? But from PSG's perspective, it's a three-one victory. There were some elements of switch offery, which is a word I've just created there, when they were fairly comfortable. Um, Lons got a late goal back, and it was all, yeah, just a little bit of maybe the old PSG peeking through. But it struck me in this game that the fans seem to be pretty pleased with what's happening. The squad looks settled. Killian's back, two goals for him, the the first of which was just sublime. I could watch that all day long. Such a clean strike. But it just looked like a fairly settled side. Marquinhos back as well. Do do we dare, after three weeks, to say PSG are actually in a good place right now? I think it's it's too early to say because obviously the first two matches weren't particularly um, in, enjoyable, uh, perhaps. And the first half here looked kind of like it might be the same. And one thing is Mbappe and Dembele didn't play in the first match. They didn't start the second match. They did start this. So everyone's like, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And the first half was kind of the same kind of frustrating pinging it around the back that we'd seen before uh, to the point where there were actually, it was actually whistling uh, from the crowd when they started doing that again. Uh, shortly before Asensio got the opener, which happened just on the stroke of half-time, and there was a real shift in the style of play and the the feeling about it as we got into the second half. Mbappe got his first one shortly after the restart and then one on 90 minutes. Um, Lons basically couldn't finish, Um so even though there was a kind of Gullivogui slash own goal coming in off Skriniar's ass uh, at the very last minute to make it look a bit more respectful, really that second half PSG, I think, is the one that the fans are going to be hoping is the one they get in the future. And one thing I thought was also interesting was talking about the midfield a lot with all this talk about Navati and where's he going and what's he up to. I thought here, Agate and Zaya Emery and also Virginia, who 
Does he look a bit like he should be in The Three Musketeers or some other Duma adaptation? There's something about the beard and the moustache. Just... That, was that Vitinho, did you say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But the midfield <clears throat> seems to be sorting itself out, which I think is kind of the important thing, because we all know you've got Mbappe, he's going to score goals, Dembele's going to run people ragged, but what we were all worried about was the midfield. Now, when Between the Posts put their pass map up of this, it did very much look like, I think one reply said, PSG playing with a false midfield. Um, <laughs> but I suspect that was largely down to that kind of stultifying first half. Um, it did improve massively, and I thought that, yeah, if that midfield is starting to click, then that's going to be, you know, really important for where they go from here. Yeah, yeah, some really good points there. And, and Jez, is something picked up on something that Phil said there about the, <clears throat> excuse me, the style or the um, myth, methodical approach, I guess, to possession football. Is that ju- it's just the, the, the Luis Enrique way, isn't it? He did it at Spain. He was sort of renowned for it. That That's his style. Is it a case of that the the PSG ultras and supporters are going to have to accept that not only are there a batch of new players, but there is a complete new style and approach to this PSG setup and how they play? Yeah, it's the I think it's the the Lucas the Luis Enrique way, the Barcelona way, and I think we've probably I think we've discussed it before more in the context of international teams and identities. Or I certainly have because it's a bugbear of mine. I think there's a very fine line between the sort of exciting tiki-taka of Guardiola's Barcelona at their best and the Spain that bored everyone into submission when they won the World Cup in 2010. So it's a fine line. I mean, you know, it's it's all very well having whatever it was, 900 passes against Toulouse, 700 against... Uh, sorry, 900 against Lorient or 700 to lose. I can't remember what it was. I don't know what it was this weekend. But um, at some point, fans will get bored if you're not doing much with it and it's just defenders passing it um, between themselves. But um, I think Enrico is better than that. And I think, you know, gradually as the as the team gets, gets used to, to playing his way, I think it should benefit the team and and sort of obviously by extension the fans so um i hope the fans show a bit of patience but obviously yeah in the meantime they need results i think probably enrique's issue with this when he was coach of the national team was that there wasn't an out and out striker um i think it was quite clear in the first two matches that what was really missing was basically mbappe (laughs) although bear in mind that he's not necessarily going to be their absolute centre forwards and they've got Ramos and they want to maybe bring in Colomuani or yeah. although I think Frankfurt want a lot more than PSG are, are willing to pay and some of it might depend on whether Ekitike is willing to go there or not yeah so, I, nothing's the finished article yet and as Phil said it's only three matches in and and I'm pretty sure last season, three matches in, everyone was absolutely raving about the sort of free scoring front three, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think there's still issues with the team. I still think, I don't understand why they've been so obsessed with Skriniar for over a year, because I really don't see what the fuss is about. And again, when it comes to sort of March time in Champions League, I, I'm not sure he's, you know, his 
lack of pace could become a liability, I think. Um, I think, you know, I've made clear I simply just don't rate Donnarumma. Um, yeah. But things look good. And, and yeah, I think the midfield kind of sort of sums it all up that, you know, there's they've got rid of the some of the most of the huge egos in the team they've got a midfield that are full of energy and willing to run in both directions um and if the front three who aren't the same front three as before um are in a good mood and willing to do a little bit of defensive work then i think it could make a bit big difference um i think the fact that zaire emery has, has started so well is big i think that you know having you know one of our own having a parisian as one of the big emerging stars, I think will will keep the the fans happy as well. Um, Dembele, again, harping back to international chats that we've had. If you think he's going to do the defensive work that Neymar and Messi didn't, then good luck to you. Um, personally, I I've never seen. I don't think I've ever seen a player that seems to get so much. Um, race of commentators it seems like every time he loses the ball that's fine because he might be exciting and he might do something with it it feels to me like he's already found almost half the dead ends in Paris and he's as Phil said he's only played one and a half matches I just don't get it Mm. Um, I, I like an exciting winger as much as anyone you know when I was a kid I only wanted a number seven or an 11 on my shirt but you need more than excitement. You need a bit of end product. And I don't think he provides enough of it if and when he's fit. And, you know, if you're looking to replace with Neymar with someone who actually cares about training, then again, I'm not sure Dembele is your man. So I still think there's a few things that we need to keep an eye out for across more of the season than the first three matches. But definitely it's positive so far. With yeah. the that I said the same thing this time last year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dembele was quite good at falling over the ball in this game, in fairness. He did do that several times. Bless him. He's always um, been good at that. Yeah. And um, Zaire Emery, I think you're right. I don't know if you saw that video of him uh, on the megaphone uh, to the ultras at the end of the game. That um, he, he reminds me, obviously I would use an Arsenal example because it's the only one that comes to mind, but he reminds me of when Fabregas first came into the, that Arsenal team. He he just defies his age, defies his ability. Like He, he just looks... Uh, a player who's been around forever and you know people forget how just yeah. how young he is so yeah and see is another example you know i think arsenal has still never replaced Vieira and gilberto silva oh no completely i don't great. think PSG never, never replaced tiago motta no but ugarte looks like maybe he's he's your man but i still maintain fun. no team has ever won anything without a good defensive midfielder no or goalkeeper, to use your other point as well, because <laughs> I'm with you on that down the rumour box. Um, Phil, just on the flip side of that, Alon's in a bit of trouble. I mean, I don't, again, I don't, I'm conscious we're three weeks in, but they've got Champions League to come while he's just come in, which is a brilliant piece of business. But I don't know, they, they just don't quite look the same. Maybe it's the Fafana thing missing, but I don't know that second season syndrome. I'm just a bit worried about them, you know, in, in what I've seen of them this season so far. I think obviously losing to Brest is not a good look. Um, no. But I think when, as I said in the first bit, 
they couldn't finish. They were getting into decent positions, but couldn't finish. So the fact that Elivahi came on for his debut around 60 minutes is, you know, something that they're going to be uh, holding on to going forward. But when you're 2-0 down at the Parc de France, you know, <laughs> there's not an awful lot you're going to be able to do. So I think um, we did see, and Lons obviously were largely responsible for the fairly stultifying PSG performance in the first half because of the high press. And at half time, I can't remember which player it was who was saying basically we're, we're having trouble with that. Um, and so I think, you know, it's. They've had some changes. They've lost a panda, but while he came on, did some good things. Uh, so I think they're going to be okay, but it might take them a bit to kind of settle in. Yeah. Um, but I don't know when do the Champions League group stages start because there's still playoffs going on at the moment. Yeah. So I imagine it's another week or something. Draw, the draws of this Friday. Draw- Definitely Thursday, open this Friday. Or Friday, is it? Sorry, so yeah, I definitely this week. Yeah. By then, if they've managed to kind of sort themselves out, get way into the mix, then we're, you know, talking about, you know, hopefully they'll be fine. I yeah. don't, I think this is a slow start rather than, uh, shall we say, a harbinger of doom. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to be that guy, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I appreciate the fact that they so overly excelled last season that's probably terrible grammar but you know what I'm getting at so I I don't think they're going to do that again no no I think that's fair yeah I think anywhere between sort of I don't know eighth and fifth would be pretty good given their program that they've got ahead um I will check the Champions League uh, group stages actually in a second because we will I I think even if even if you're last and you're coming off the season you had last year any team you know, Chris can sort of look very smug now, but any team that gets anything at PSG, that's going to be considered a bonus. And so three matches in, you kind of have to sort of almost write off the PSG match. And the other two matches are sort of very frustrating for Lens. I think overall across three matches, they, they've they been a hell of a lot better than one point's worth. Yeah. But there's the issues that, that Phil mentioned, you know, replacing Oponda and a reliable goal scorer is a, bit, is a big issue. So while he needs to kind of get to match fitness quickly, I think they've had a couple of injuries. Um, didn't they have a City sending off in one of the first couple of matches as well? Yeah. Um, and they they seem to have tired at the end of matches, which is unlost-like. And I'm hoping for their sake might be sort of, you know, Still a bit of tiredness in the legs from intense pre-season training or something that will sort of allow them to come good across the length of the season. But that's a bit of a concern because you don't expect that from them so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, no worries whatsoever in terms of league and. But yeah, I think they'll struggle to... I doubt they'll finish one point behind the champions this year. And obviously the Champions League is always a concern for any French club. Yeah. Um, I mean, they must be pot four, sure. I, th- I think it's three. I think I read yeah. somewhere. Don't quote me on that, but I think they're in pot three. Because I think four is very much sort of like Tesco and Lidl's teams, I think, 
it's not really 21 who's in pot four, but um, yeah, I believe that. I could be wrong, but I think... Which I think pot were Arsenal in last year? Exactly my point, Jess. Um, did you see us defend on Saturday? Anyway, um, Manchester United 1, by the way, is the 19th and 20th of September. So we're talking, yeah, about two and a half weeks, I think. Um, one, two, three weeks today. So, yeah, so it's coming around the block. Um, and then you've got uh, Octo- two, ga- two more games in October, two in November, one in December. Then they take a break until January. So there you go. Right, let's move on to, uh, I want to give some praise to Russ, Jez, and I want to pose the question to you. How, again, three games in, how long or how high can this, how high can this Rams team go? And if they do continue on this upward trajectory, how long before some probably quite hipster, quote unquote, larger clubs start sniffing around Will Still and Co? Because, you know, he lost... He lost Balogun in the summer. A lot of people said that was the goals. I think they've used that that sort of time to rebuild. They brought in some really sensible signings in um, like Jeremy at Ajax. And the one, of course, I have to highlight being a, a big fan of all things Maltese, Teddy Tumor, who hit the goal of the weekend, uh, as well as a free kick. But that second was an absolute bullet, um, which Phil won't thank me for saying. But Rams were were really good and they were very unlucky on the opening day against Marseille and they look like a side that's just got that that Claremont effect from last season if you get where I'm going with that but of course they were that team that overperformed last season so what what do you think of them what have you made of them and, and have they got the facilities to push on and therefore the eyes going on will still a bit more I think for all the reasons that we discuss all the time for so many clubs I think there's a limit to how far they can go because they're stated project is bring through some very talented young players, sell them for money. Um, we've seen that the last two, three years. Obviously, Balogun, they're not getting money because because he was on loan, but they're um, you know, they certainly helped him to to take the next step. We've seen a, a few strikers, obviously Akitike, um, but Alture, a couple of others as well. Um they're so I think there's always going to be issues there and um, in terms of, you know, really pushing on to, you know, Europe would sort of be a nice bonus, but um, whether they can sort of sustain Europe every year in, year out, that kind of thing is unlikely. But I think, you know, from what we've seen of, of Will Still, well, we know the setup's very good and it has been going back to the days of, of David Guillon and and Will Still, I think, is is carrying on that, that very good job, but adding more entertaining football into the bargain. And, and you know, like last week we, we we talked about how Godito looked. Uh, Munetsi is one of those players who kind of quietly pitches in with a lot of goals. Abdel Hamid, it was nice to see him score because I think he's he's one of those classic Liga sort of war horses who doesn't get a huge amount of exposure, but is, is such a reliable player. Um, so I think... Yeah, I think that the setup there is great and Will still seems to... I know that they sort of ended the season on a bit of a downer last year, but still, you know, everyone across Europe, I mean, partly because of that whole stupid quirky thing about the PlayStation manager or whatever it was, um, which I don't think he particularly appreciated, but certainly he became a bit of a sort of hipster or kind of cult cult figure across Europe. So I think definitely there'll be a lot of people looking at how he does this year. I mean, um, 
looking at the kind of coaches and players that they want to bring in and forward planning and things, I would have thought that, you know, looking at the French League, probably Franck Ayres and Will Still are the two names that, if I had to guess which league and coaches Brighton may be sort of following <laughs> just in case, I think it probably would be those two. I um, <laughs> and from that point of view, I guess Tuma is an interesting one because he came from saint Gilloise, which is the other club that, that yeah. Brighton's owner owns. So, um, you know, a bit of a tenuous link there, but there's a vague connection or another kind of excuse to, to follow follow us a little bit more closely as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, I don't expect them to to finish as 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 high as they are now necessarily but again I don't think they'll be troubling the relegation zone I think they'll play some great football into the bargain you know three matches in as you said Marseille they were a little bit unlucky winning at home to Clermont as good as Clermont were last year and and probably will be at times this year I don't think that's the result to write home about 3-1 at Montpellier coming off what Montpellier did last week I think is 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 a really impressive result. Yeah. Um, another easy home win to come next week. I was just going to um, say, who have they got next? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think they'll be good. I think they'll be good fun to watch. And I think there'll be some, well, Tuma isn't young, but there'll be some young players there to, to you know, like Tuma and Ito and some of the younger players coming through. Um, I think if you switch on a RAS match, you're not going to be watching a, Anise Neil Leon. Anise Leon. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> and all the talent those two teams they have. And yeah, yeah, Ras Montpellier was one of the highlights of the weekend. Chu is a really interesting player, by the way. Just for, just very quickly, another sort of wait, well, sorry, you're about to say it. Oh, I, I, I was just gonna say it. Brighton fans of a certain age will remember the chant "We've got a Maltese international" about Gary Chivers. So, yeah, there's there haven't been many over the years Maltese players. Um, there's one down at Notts County at the moment. Jermaine, is it Jones? I think it's Jermaine Jones. I think yeah. Anyway, he was uh, I think he's formerly at Wrexham. I think he I think he went to Notts County. But yeah, there aren't there aren't many around. But by by sort of. Um, by parentage and whatnot, I believe Tuma could have played for Italy or France. So there's a little bit of pollination, cross-pollination there. But as you rightly say, he was captain of Saint-Gilois and, and really was heralded as one of the players who could make a big move. And I was a, not surprised, but just a little bit, um, well, no, surprised is the word, I guess, that, that Rouse got him because I thought there'd be a bit more competition for him. But if he continues to hit strikes like he did at the weekend, then there'll be a lot more eyes on him come January and the end of the season that's for sure because um, right. that second was a bullet as was Tamaris by the way who is also impressing for well, Montpellier we've so. got a Jordanian international you have. Um, yeah. and yeah while this was a very kind of um, depressing but a bit of a cold water kind of situation which uh, down here at the moment given the weather is actually a good thing yeah. um, is that Altamari uh, got the goal for Montpellier and he and Aker Adams both mm. got three and three. So good combo, isn't it? That? The the fear I think for Montpellier was if we tell Wahid what happens next. And it's really reassuring to see that both of them have really come out of the gate. Um come out of the gate hard and it should be mentioned there was a penalty which uh, Benji Lecomte saved. 
Yes. Uh, so it could have been worse were it not for um, having a decent goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, just one one uh, point I have been looking on Wikipedia, Lons are in pot four, along with Newcastle Ooh. and Unionburg. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, as I said, teams like Little and Tesco. I, I'm joking, I'm joking. But yeah, I, I must admit, I, I don't know where I read it, but I thought they were in three. Maybe it was the back end of last season when it wasn't all decided. But yeah, interesting. There's, there's, there's still cancel. some that need putting in pots. Yes. Uh, I think it's safe. Um, um, allowing for what happens in like, qualifiers, etc. One thing that will be interesting is, or you can expect to see quite a few names in there that you probably won't have heard of, as well as Newcastle and Oz. So, yeah, there you go. Panathinaikos, um, of course, who dumped out Marseille. Um, they play Braga, don't they? So that'll be, yeah, that's. Yes. I take back everything I said about Pot 4. I was wrong. Um, more if anybody else. Let's move on. Um, Phil, if I'd have said to you at the start of the weekend that Monaco and Nantes would be a 3-3 thriller, you probably would have laughed at me. But I want to throw that game in, and I also want to touch on Lille and, and Ren. Ren did get a point, it's fair to say, so I don't you know, want to say that they, were, they didn't lose. But to a 10-man promoted side to draw 2-2 yeah. wasn't the best. And as for Lille, I mean, you know, obviously I'm going to salute Lauren Avagel and, and co. Uh, Lauren were excellent, but some of Lille's defending, throw in some of Monaco's defending against the Nantes side, who I think they had three shots, scored three goals, and that was it. Uh, yep. It was not a good weekend for those three clubs that should be performing a lot higher, surely. Yeah, I think um, when you look at Monaco, they've got, uh, two high scorers with some Ben Yedder again scored a goal. Well done to him. <laughs> but also uh, Minamino got mm. another one. So they're scoring a lot. Uh, Boada got the equaliser kind of late doors. But you do get the impression this is going to be score a lot, concede a lot at the moment unless they get themselves sorted out. I mean, Mohamed got a double one spot for for Nantes and Caspelletto got the other one. And, I mean, that first 15 minutes was not just, like, taking taking every chance they could get, um, but they were doing it, you know, efficiently. And Monaco looked like they could be chaotically fun, absent court proceedings, but I'm not sure that efficient is going to be the word we use about them as we go through this season. Mm. Yeah, they, they were. They, I must admit, I tuned in Friday night thinking, yeah, this might be a decent, you know, one all draw or something, or Monaco scrape a win at, at three at three one. I was thinking, what, what is going on here? Quite bizarre. Castelletto, of course, as well. And um, having to rather sheepishly salute the crowd with a hands up gesture of as if to say. I'm sorry, because he spent the entire week trying to leave um, in the very public way. So that that was a bit awkward. What about the other two, Jez, um, that I mentioned, Elio and Ren? Obviously, I'm sure you would have been delighted to see Ren drop points uh, to Love and a couple of good goals in that, that game as well, especially the equaliser. But uh, Lille as well, I mean, I didn't want to rub it in too much to our good friend Gib. Um, but I saw some of his tweets and he was absolutely in despair 
the opening goal mistake from Chevalier was was one thing, but the rest, even the other three goals, I thought were really poor. Poncio's strike was very good, but again, the build-up far too easy. And as much as I'm very pleased that Lorient hit four, I can't remember the last time they did that at home against anybody. And then as for Lille, got through in the midweek, or I say got through, 1-2-1 against Rijeka in the qualifiers for the Europa League. But that was a close run thing. It wasn't it just, yeah. 89th minute. Last yeah. gasp. Um, yeah. But they again feel like a side to me that it's just not quite clicking yet, if you see what I'm saying. And they brought through some decent players. They've kept Jonathan David. What's your thoughts on those two? Jez, Leland and Ren, what, what's your views on where they're going or, or maybe what's going wrong for both? Um, I mean, for Ren, I just... You know, last week I said that they were extremely lucky to come away from loss with a draw. Maybe this time they might consider themselves unlucky, but as you said, sort of 2-0 up and against 10 men against a promoted team, they should be at the very least clinging on for a win and, and it, that's not a great result um, and it just leads me to think even more there really aren't any standout teams at all this year which is kind of maybe good in terms of a competitive league but not great in terms of Europe and in terms of necessarily quality all the way through um, on sort of by extension and talking about Europe Lille, it again, just seems like almost like the curse of being in Europe. And you see that and you think maybe the French teams are right to sort of chuck Europe as soon as they as soon as they um, they qualify for it, because, you know, that they were awful against Rijeka. And funnily enough, it was Chevalier who kept them in it at times. And, and you know, I think he is a very good keeper. And I felt sorry for him that sort of after getting a lot of good reviews for for the match, on Thursday, maybe there, you know, if anyone was tuning in particularly to see him, he, he really did have a mare, mm. especially with that first goal. Although you know, there were a couple of excellent Lorient finishes there, but it's similar to what we were saying about Marseille last week. The way Lille have started, and they haven't had that much change. They've still got Jonathan David, who more and more I wonder if he the only reason he hasn't got his move to England is because he really looks like he's carrying three or four stone he does doesn't he I thought um I think it's just probably his build you know it's not Mm. him scoring but he doesn't look quick though doesn't look explosive to me no doesn't look on it um but yeah there hasn't been that much change in terms of personnel and and it's just it feels like they're just not not ready. You know, they've got the same coach, a lot of the same players. You'd have thought they'd be more than some of the others, like Monaco, for example. Ren and, and Lille would be the ones that would be able to just sort of just carry on where they left off and not need any kind of um acclimatization period or acclimation, mm-hmm. as I would say if I was American, but thank God I'm not. <laughs> so um it yeah, it's a concern and and you know, both teams, as we know, have got young players. And again, it's shocking that Lille had to rely on a 17-year-old defender to, to spare their blushes on Thursday night. But um, they've got young players. We know that, you know, they struggle a little bit more than others for consistency. So that might be an issue. Lille had, a, I think, one bad injury. I think they've got a few injuries, actually, in defence, which isn't going to help. But you expect more from them than a 
from Lille than a 4-1 capitulation and certainly more from Wren than, than giving away a, a two-goal lead like that. Yeah, yeah. If if you haven't seen it as well, just to give Leav some credit, because they'll they'll see this as a massive point game, especially with ten men and away from home. The um the the first from Aliri, the the header, that was a yeah, proper that was a proper eighty centre forwards header, wasn't it? The redirection, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. And his second was was pretty decent as well, a curling shot into the corner. Um, seeing as we've we've got enough time to mention them, Phil, you wanted to just touch on Marseille because they did beat Brest two nil. Our first goal for for Saar, um, the second of the two, and Bamba got the opener. Are we are we all kind of as well? By the way, say again. That was also a very good header. It was. Yes, you're absolutely right. Again, towering header back post across the keeper. Are we um are we all aboard the, the Marseille train again, Phil, in terms of if we're going to get any sort of title race, maybe it's coming from there. I mean, they don't have to worry about Europe now, so that's always good. Oh, they, um, they do because they're in well, the, they've got the, that, the yeah. group stage. But um, they don't have to one of the either. questions we got, I think, in response to your tweet was from Jeremy Tulala. Um, he was asking about the vibe seeming better mm. this year. That people, and this was something that I noticed watching this game was that obviously the whole situation with not getting through to the Champions League made some people quite cross. In this case, it looked like the stadium was full, it was happy, it looked like the players were playing with good humour as well. What I noticed was there were quite a lot of fast breaks. Um, I think uh, definitely the Zargo came from one and the players seemed to be happy and that's not always something you can say about Marseille and I think that bodes well. There was one I think it was another break where um Orba had it, passed it to somebody else because he couldn't get the shot off. It was passed around to a couple of people and it ended up with um, Gigo, I think, who skied it. And he looked really rueful and the rest of them were like, in a sense, chuckling a bit. Like, it's all right, mate. We, we know this isn't your job. Um, so that was something I, I thought was interesting, that the velodrome can be an absolute cauldron, but it can also turn against uh, the team and the management fairly quickly. And this seemed like a really kind of good-humoured game. So I think the the two things for Marseille that are maybe less positive are, I believe, Kondopi was out six weeks, they're saying, and that there seems to be some... uh, faff about Guendouzi possibly going to Lazio for not very much money and I saw uh, Mo Ali basically saying we need to get better at selling players yeah it's a loan like 13 million plus five in bonuses yeah and it's a loan for the first loan with an obligation so they're not even going to get out front yeah yeah, that's not you know that's a that's a a loss in a more game. than mess are getting for Mick Tarson. Yeah, I was going to touch on that. Well, I was yes, going to come <laughs> to that. Well, we got there later, but you know, it does it does look good. I think the being knocked out in the qualifiers for the Champions League was 
hard, gutting, unexpected, but possibly just a blip. Mm. So, and you have to say, if they are going to be playing Europa League rather than Champions League, it's not going to have as big an effect on their league campaign as otherwise might be the case. So, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's, I still think it's looking pretty good for them. And I, so if you've never solved a queue before, it... the, the issue with, I think the issue with um, Marseille as well is they're almost in that. They're almost in that same bracket as last season, isn't it? It's like, do we take the Europa League seriously because it's a competition we could legit win, or do we just chuck it and actually try and push PSG? And they've got a few weeks to make that decision, or maybe who knows? Who, depending on who they draw, they might have that decision made for them. But yeah, I do, I do wonder if they might be the only ones that can possibly um, get up there. Just um, on that tweet as well, Jez. Just wanted to get your thoughts. I know you, you had a few. Um, so yeah, the, the handle of Jeremy Toulon. I think it, I think it's Alexandru. Um, Alexandru Makaya. I, I hope I pronounced that right, Alex. If I haven't, I apologize profusely. Um, but yeah, he was saying that attendances for the first rounds are at historic highs, especially the bank holiday season. Um, and the mood in the stands and online seems to have improved compared to last season's. Have you noticed that as well? You were saying about that pre pre pod, you picked up on a few things in the beginning of the season. Me, no, I haven't particularly noticed that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've put words in your mouth. Let me put it. I, think, way, I don't know. I think like you know, the first month of the season. Okay, numbers might be higher. I think first month of the season, the weather's nice. Everyone's full of hope. Yeah. So you know, I mean, you know, for what it's worth, I still saw the security having to put a hell of a lot of barriers around breast players who were taking corners at the velodrome, for example, which is yeah. ironic considering how how vocal the Marseille fans were about how disgusting Nice are and PSG are, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, I think that there are still some issues to be uh, dealt with more generally. Mm. Um, just on that. And I'm not quickly. saying there haven't been good atmospheres. I just haven't particularly noticed that it's kind of any any better or worse than, anywhere, than previous seasons. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, but I did studiously miss... Nice versus Lyon. So yeah, we'll, 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 I can't, we'll, I can't, I can't we'll, vouch for how fantastic the atmosphere was there. We'll touch very briefly on that in a it second. Started um, well. Did you did you see? And then, and then the referee then, blew then, to kick off. And then it horribly, yeah. Just, just on the attendances, did you see that story of Saint Etienne as well, where they've got basically two warring factions in the crowd now, and they've had to be put at separate ends of the ground to stop them from infighting. Yeah, you couldn't make this shit up, could you? Honestly, there was there was some uh, interesting uh, video footage of that, which of mm. course I clicked on and assumed it was fans of different rival site. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. And yeah, then it was read the caption and was like, maybe ah. not. <laughs> yeah, let let's um let's go two footed on Leon again. Why not? Because you know vibes and all that. Um. Tarek, uh, our friend Tarek Amir uh, sent us a question as well, and he literally said, Leon, question mark? That's it. That's the question. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the answer is, but just speaking on Alexandra's point as well, on the atmosphere, I do agree with him. I do I do think it has, it does look to have been a sort of, um, uh, you know, their tendencies do appear to have been better this season. There does seem to have been some decent vibes in the crowd. This was one of those games where I, I didn't detect it, or maybe I detected it for the wrong, well... the wrong ways, because... There was big patches, wasn't there, in the crowd for, for them? Phil. Well, 
I, w- I was watching this and unusually managed to catch the pre-match build-up, which isn't always... It's probably better than uh, the game. No, but... <laughs> yes, but isn't always shown. And mm. Nice, uh, that is another stadium that can be a fortress. They have, they have singing and the fumy and the pyro and... Uh, guys from Amazon Prime who were doing the pitch side introductions and there's a man walking behind them in the background carrying an eagle. You know, it all seemed very kind of up for it. And and as Jess said, the game started. And it was really peculiar. That's the word I'm going with here because Nice basically seemed to be entirely in charge against a very disjointed OL, but couldn't finish. I couldn't actually work out who was playing centre court, which mm. isn't a great look. It appeared to be Morgan Sanson most of the most of the match, which isn't really fabulous. Um, OL were poor. Now they did manage to get the defence a little bit more organised than they were last week when they were uh, beaten. All won by Montpellier. Uh, Chaletta Saar was reasonable. But Shirky was good. Bartler was doing his best. But it just wasn't working out for them. And it looked like they just weren't a coherent unit. Now, Nice looked much more coherent, much more efficient, much more uh, good with the passing, getting into good positions. But then couldn't finish. So mm. it was this weird kind of vibe of when Leon did on one or two or three occasions manage to attack, they looked more dangerous than the guys who were doing it all the time. And it just felt very, very strange. And this strangeness um, was helped by some of the kind of, not off pitch, but at half time, Blanc sent all of the Leon subs out to do training drills. And it yeah. looked like, and so they're doing this while the kids in the background are doing the halftime orange uh, competition of, you know, you get 12 year olds trying to score into the other, you know, the goal, whatever. It, t- it just made them look like children. And then when you saw the numbers of the people coming on, it was like, Number 80 is coming on, number 70 is coming on. It really just looked very, as I say, disjointed and it degenerated late on, as you possibly imagine, after being that frustrating for about 85 minutes. A penalty shout was denied, which probably it should have been in the common sense. uh, Do you think? I thought that was a really good decision. It was one of those where... If you've seen it given, you go, yeah, of course it's been. Hmm. But the referee was like, I don't want to be here any longer than you do. Uh, there was, a, well, it wasn't a brawl, but it was a coming together when the referee basically just stood off to one side and said, you chat this happens. out, I can't be asked." A yeah. very strong, the whole class is staying behind after school <laughs> vibe from him. And then... Blanc's post-match interview was as weird and depressing as you'd imagine. He said it proved they could defend. 
Which <laughs> I suppose, given that last week they proved they couldn't, is yeah. an improvement, but still not really very helpful. So yeah, it was it was peculiar. I think I said in the WhatsApp um, we had earlier, it was interesting in its lack of interest. Yeah, one That's thing that basically, as far as I can go. One thing I did think was interesting about it was uh, this clip has gone viral since they did interview the referee after the game, which I thought was really refreshing. Um, I think our colleagues at Get French Football News posted was he this. drinking out of a hip flask and smoking a very, very much not, no. But um, they they had I forget who the pundits were, but they were on they were pitch side and, and they basically said to the referee, "Oh, I just wish he'd come out and explain, you know, what what the decision was because it wasn't referred to the AR from what I could see." Um, and lo and behold, the referee turned up out in the dressing room. He came and he's like, oh, look, I did it for this. I didn't give it for that. Thank you very much and good night. And off he went. And I thought, how refreshing. You know, you wouldn't get Mike Dean doing that in, in England, for example. So, or maybe you would for all the wrong reasons. But um, yeah, I thought that was quite refreshing. And, and I personally, I thought it was a good good decision. Um, but, and the other observation I had of this is when you saw Leon substitutes warming up, there was a cut from the footage where you saw... You saw, I think it's Ella Cruz and a few others, uh, a few names I must admit I don't know a lot about, very youthful subs, and they were trotting down the touchline and they had one of the coaches out in front sort of leading the stretches. It honestly looked like PE teacher took kids to the beach. It yeah. genuinely looked like that. Yeah, they looked so young. Like, And that's what I said about the half-time thing. You'd be hard-pressed to see which were the Leon subs doing the shuttle yeah. runs and which were the 12 year olds just you know doing the orange doing challenge it was yeah. it was a little bit peculiar uh Ainsley Maitland-Niles of course was in midfield next to Toliso mm. and Kakare who following my earlier uh, description of Virginia Kakare looks like the baddie in a Disney movie yes he's de he definitely should be in a Disney film um, yeah, he, he's he's prime for that. He's like budget Orlando Bloom, Orlando Bloom from Wish. Um, yeah, and I mean, Takiyasu Girl was lucky to stay on the pitch. I think for a couple of uh, not really challenges, more kind of just he's, kicking he's people just not late good, on. Yeah. Uh, I understand Manchester United appear to be interested in him, so I'm only presuming that they were otherwise engaged on Sunday night because, yeah. Mm. Well, Fico played for Ten Hag in the Ajax, and Ten Hag seems to just only sign players from the from the Eredivisie or players he's played for before, so that that's that link. Jez, I, I know we've done Leon to death, and I don't want to spend hours on it, but I mean, did you see anything in this game, highlights or live, that made you think, okay, they're turning the page? Because it still sounds like Barkler is is pushing hard to leave. Um, he's been linked with about seven clubs in the week. Um, there is still no, still noises around Shirky, and I know this isn't the popular thing to say, and maybe you might disagree. I don't know, but for all the ability he's got, I still think he's flattering to deceive a bit. I still feel like he's playing it. 60-70% and I feel like maybe at this point a move might do him good I don't know but what did you make of Leon other than that glorious kit because that's a beauty but I didn't see much in this game without Lacazette they didn't pose a threat and they just it felt like they just set out to not get beat and I guess that's mission accomplished but 
Blanc is still in the job, what, what, what do you reckon? I think, yeah, no, I think that is what, what the plan was. I mean, they've got PSG next week. So, again, like they could conceivably <laughs> have been sort of four, four matches in without a point on the ball. So, I think just getting that point, even though they're, they're I think, still in the relegation zone, yeah. at least they've got a point. Um, they've kept a clean sheet. <laughs> um, in theory, going to Nice isn't the easiest place to go to. Although I think, I think that was part of the problem with this match. I think Nice are also finding their feet. They are sort of looking at a complete change of style, which is going to take a while. I mean, mm. from all the reports I read, Terra Moffi more than anyone else is completely lost, which probably goes along with what Phil said about not not being sure who the striker was. Yeah. Um, and you know, if if Fagioli's from the um, sort of Deserbi school of football. He probably isn't so bothered about having an out and out centre forward all the time, anyway. So, um, yeah, I think Nice is still a work in progress, and I think Lyon absolutely set out just to get a point by whatever means necessary or possible. Um, so, you know, that might have settled things a tiny bit, but for all the reasons we've discussed the last two weeks, they're they're in an absolute mess. Um, on Sherky, I think I read an interview. I can't remember if it was with. Oh. Uh, our, our friend from Sweden, Birgitta Malmborg, says that Shirky says he's staying because of Blanc and Blanc. So <laughs> if Blanc <Ouch>. goes, <laughs> yeah. which is looking like <clears throat> it wouldn't be the biggest bet in the world, yeah. so there possibly was a- problematic. There was an interview with Blanc a few weeks ago. I think it was Blanc, and they were talking about the fact that I think Julie Ludovic Julie was his sort of one of his assistants last season, and I think he's 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 left now. And I think Blanc said, you know, one of the jobs I gave him was basically look after Turkey, which um, I'm sure he won't have thanked won't thank me for. Right. <laughs> so I think there's a lot to be read into, into that. that, yeah. And I think that that sort of speaks to what you were saying. he's got amazing talent but he needs to show it more consistently week in week out needs to take matches by the the scruff of the neck yeah you know a little bit less showboating it's not like oh i think he's got more personality and more capability of running matches but um, maybe he just needs a little bit more sort of tactical discipline or whatever it is yeah, I, I did. I wondered if he'd feel the same way as I do. I just, I, I watch him every week, and I just think, God, you're, you're an absolute delight to watch. You got so much ability, but I just, I get that sort of like, Neymar's the wrong example to use because he's chosen to his career path the way it's led. But I just sort of feel like Cherky could be one of those players that you could look. Maybe Eden has Eden Hazard is a good example where you could just look back, and if he chooses the wrong move. You could look back and go, oh, God, you remember when he was really good? And then it just doesn't go anywhere. And I hope I'm wrong because, like you said, the talent is there. I just, I don't know whether this is, maybe it's taking too much on his shoulders at this point, but hopefully... Well, I, just, I mean, in the past, I always felt sorry, sorry for him because I feel like he's the kind of player that needs real consistent runs in the team to be starting matches. Yeah, I agree. But he doesn't have that excuse anymore. No. No, that's that's exactly it. I sort of feel like an almost Barkler has come in and stolen the spotlight that maybe he should have had as well, which is a bit of a weird one. But um, yeah, Leon going to Leon, and as you say, PSG next. So uh, I would hasten to suggest that if they don't get a good result in that home match 
uh, Mr. Blanc may be looking for employment in somewhere uh, like Saudi Arabia. And I Arabia. think going back to what we were saying about PSG, if first half PSG turn up for that match, mm. or if second half PSG turn up for that match, it's going to be very different. Because if second half PSG turn up, it could be an absolute bloodbath. Yeah. If first half PSG turn up, it could be basically East Nil Leon. Well, also, what version of Leon turn up? I don't, I don't, is, is Lacazette available for that, or did they give him a three game ban in the end? Because I don't know if that was announced, but um, if he's if he's not I there, the straight red, yeah, he's going to get at least two, so he should still miss it. Yeah, violent conduct, isn't it? Leon have, um, I, I forget the guy's name, I'm frantically trying to find it. They have brought in a centre forward, haven't they? Which they badly needed because the lads are, um, this game passed him by. <laughs> Heavily, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they have brought in. I'm trying to find. It's a Norwegian striker for memory, from uh, from Norway, funnily enough. Um, and apparently, they think very highly of this this guy. I think he, they spent quite a bit of money on him. I'll try and find the name because I can't find it anywhere. But I will dig it out. Uh, but yes, uh, I think it's fair to say Leon are still in a little bit of a mess, and we'll probably know a little bit more about them at the end of uh, this next week. Um, so we shall see. Right, let's just round up the other games that I haven't covered then. Strasbourg beat Toulouse by two goals to nil. Um, Strasbourg having a nice little start to the season under Vieira, Omega, and uh, Belagard again on the score sheet. Uh, Omega seems to be one to keep an eye on. I think he's going to have a decent season ahead. Um, a farewell to uh, your boy, I think, Jez. I think it's fair to say Mikkels had say agreed terms with Ajax shortly after hitting the winner against Clermont. Um, yeah, he had his medical today. Is it medical yeah, today? Which okay. is passed, according to Mickey. I've read somewhere it's only 10 million euros, which seems a little bit low. But it's more than that, but it, okay. it doesn't really matter what it was because they, they basically they got through the DNCG thing by saying they were going to sell him, so none of the money will be invested in uh, a replacement anyway, so... Yeah. Whatever. That's we're basically relegated. Oh God, <laughs> man! Yes, cheer up. But let's, well, let's... We don't. We don't have goal scorers. We scored four goals this season. He he assisted one and scored two. The one think... that he assisted, the player that he set up, set up, has also left. Yeah. Ha- oh, oh, is that happened as well? I didn't. Yeah. Know. Oh, where's he gone? Uh, Louvain. Oh, God. Okay. Well, they're, they're getting a lot more mentions on the pod than I would have aren't thought. They just, aren't they just? <laughs> well, hopefully they can find somebody to score goals. Um, although I did see Sheffield United are taking Mama Balde, so it seems all the strikers are off from, from Liga at the moment. But yeah, our thoughts are with you at this difficult time, Jess. And at least you went out with a bang. Um, the Claremont defender who fell over uh, probably will not be quite so happy with his weekend. Um, and I believe that was all the games, unless I'm missing one. Uh, no, I think that is all the games. No, so, there's only nine. Now. There is. I, I'll keep well, looking we for all that. Have to keep reminding us. It's, it's, it's not there. It's not only there. Nine. Um, right. Just before we go, let's have a look ahead to what is coming up in the next round of fixtures. 
I think I'm right in saying this is the last round of fixtures before the dreaded first international break of the yeah, season. The one everybody wants. Oh, God, yeah. Can't wait. It's been riveting. Although we will get a France squad and games, so there is that. But anyway, um, coming up on Friday, you've got Nantes against Marseille. Pretty big fixture for both, you'd have to say. Nantes certainly need to get some points on the board and quick. And Marseille, big as usual. We all know about Marseille. Uh, Brest against Rennes is the early kickoff on the Saturday and the evening game is Monaco against Lens. That might be worth flicking the telly box on if you get a chance. Uh, Toulouse against Clermont is the early game on Sunday, followed by Havre against Lorient, Lille against Montpellier and Metz against Rouse. And the 4.05 game is Nice against Strasbourg. And the evening game, as we've mentioned, is that classic between Lyon and PSG. Uh, speaking of atmospheres, that one might be quite tasty. So that's probably worth tuning in for this week, although they haven't got Neymar to boo this year, so I'm sure they'll have to find someone else. Good stuff. Um, we will, of course, be back after those games, probably probably back to our Monday slot next week. Although, as as always, uh, keep an eye on our Twitter feed, because if that changes, then we'll, um, we'll let you know. But all being well, it should be the Monday. Um, but that is where we'll leave it this week. Um, just try not to... Try not to write it off too much. Like there's time, you know. We can do this together. All right, mm. we'll survive. <laughs> okay, but thank you for joining us as usual. Thank you. Good stuff. And uh, Phil, thank you very much to you as well. And we shall uh, see what Montpellier have for you uh, over the course of this weekend as they go to Leeds. Yes, so good luck with that the, one. The Phil Gibb Derby. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Weekend. So Gibb will be hoping for better there, than what he got. There might be some. Very Scottish swearing um, yeah. on, on Twitter. Not they, from me. If they defend that, they did this weekend. They will swearing. So we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. Good stuff. And we'll be back with those next week. Um, thank you again to uh, to Alex and to um, Tarek for their questions this week. And as I said, if you do want a question answered or if you just got a point to make, uh, pop us a tweet anytime and we'll do our best to get you a mention. But that is it for this week. Whatever you are up to, uh, rain or shine, certainly more rain in the UK at the moment, but whatever you're up to, enjoy your week and whatever game you choose to watch this weekend, enjoy your French football and we'll speak to you very soon.